0: Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on all platforms, including the floor of the Convention Center as you wait in line for Lorcana. I am Daniel Winter.
1: And this is Mark Yuasa.
0: How are you doing,
1: Mark? I am well. Uh, the end of the year is in sight.
0: Yes, yeah, lots of uh, games to, to try and squeeze in the last minute and some time with the family too, of course. Uh, I've only just gotten back from PAX a couple of days ago and was out of commission (laughs) for uh, most of those, uh, few days, but finally feeling human again and, uh, excited to chat about some, some of the things I saw at PAX, but lots more to discuss in the meantime. Uh, very curious to hear what you've been doing while I've been away.
1: Yeah, I haven't been up to much. Uh, I've been preparing for the next role-playing game that I'm starting up with my neighbors. We've bas- basically been, you know, ended that D&D campaign I mentioned, and we we're trying some one-shots here and there, and I think we're going to start up a new game system, but I'll talk about that in the games I've been playing section. But if if it's okay, I would like to make an apology to our listening audience. Last episode, and I caught this during the editing, but there was a weird, repeated boing sound. And I wondered what was the cause of this. It was definitely on my channel. And it was, I realized, due to my microphone arm thing. Oh, it's vibrating. Which has (laughs) springs on it, which I can clearly see right now. I think it was just touching the shelf that's next to my desk and i was when i was hitting my desk it was making the the whole thing vibrate right down to the microphone so i've made an effort to keep it distance there won't be that boing sound
0: Like a little gentle asmr there for you i, I didn't even notice that myself <laughs> okay i tried
1: tried my best to edit it out but enough on that let's talk about games uh what about game news i think there's been lots of game news lately
0: yeah, well, I'll have lots to talk about in the tabletop space later, but right as I landed back, we had the Game Awards for, for the uh, the digital side of things. So, I, I have very mixed feelings on the Game Awards. I mean, they, 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 they very much themselves seem very disinterested in the awards part of, of the uh, equation there, uh, very much rushing through any, any awards announcements to get through to the next ad, uh, and the, the energy being very much... Without a message, I I would say, just for the sake of the gamers, you know, there's not really much purpose or meaning behind any of the messaging there. Like, very much everyone's welcome at my table as long as you just talk about games energy. (laughs) Uh, But uh, there were were some fun announcements, all, all the same. Uh, a few few new games that I'm excited to check out. There was a oh, for the games itself. There was a couple of miscellaneous announcements. Like you, you're a fan of cloud gaming, and they announced that Samsung is is doing some kind of cloud gaming uh, with Game Pass that, uh, to, to play Game Pass on your TV with no console required, so that that may be of interest to you. Uh, I saw that there was, there was a new God of War DLC got stealth dropped, uh, which I, I've not played that, but a lot of people would be excited about that. Fortnite, there was a a trailer for a Lego Fortnite mode that my first thought was to be extremely cynical. But the more I've heard about that actually sounds like it might be quite interesting in that it's actually returning to its roots as a PvE game. This doesn't seem to be a, a, a Battle Royale. It's actually a sort of a Minecraft mode, uh, sort of building up your uh, houses and and. Gathering resources and fighting off waves of monsters—not not too dissimilar, I guess, from the original Fortnite save the world that I, I was actually quite a fan of before Battle Royale was even a thing. So I might I might I may actually check that out sometime. as I am to to install Fortnite on my computer.
1: Uh, I can say that I don't know a lot about Fortnite, despite the fact that it's the game my my oldest kid probably plays the most of. But uh, it's already installed on multiple consoles in my uh, in my home, so I won't have to reinstall it at all. It's ready to go.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, it isn't, it isn't a, uh, it's a new standalone game. You do have to like launch the the Fortnite uh, s- launcher, I guess, then with all the new game modes in that, I, I believe that's oh, where you can find it. Uh, but a few, couple of other quick announcements. There was Windblown, new game from Motion Twin, who made Dead Cells, which similarly has a looks to have a great sense of style. This is more of an isometric sort of perspective where Dead Cells was 2D side-scrolling. But it looks to have a, a lot of fun sort of sense of momentum and movement in the characters uh, with, I, I'm assuming, a similar game loop in, in the roguelike like progression uh we have no rest for the wicked from moon studio uh who made ori and the blind forest also a, a more of an isometric perspective uh instead of 2d side scrolling but this one's more of a medieval fantasy folk it's like folk horror type aesthetic which looks very cool so curious to hear more about that uh and on the on the triple side of things there is a Triple A Jurassic Park game coming out called Survival. Uh, that this, the 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 cinem- cinematic looked very nice quality. Uh, this and it's taking place in the the time of the original movie. That could be very cool. We've not had a, an actual sort of uh, mainline Jurassic Park movie in sorry game that is in many years. So that could be good fun. And there was a. And I'm not sure what the what the type of game it is other than sort of action action RPG, but a new game based on Journey to the West called Black Myth Wukong. I'm a big fan of that sort of mythology and it's a lot of cool character design and uh, uh, sort of big sense of scale with giant creatures and, and things in that. So I'm curious to hear more about all of those.
1: Yeah, very cool. I I must admit I haven't be, paid a lot of close attention to the Game Awards. I tend to ignore it as well. I think <laughs> I heard the quote that there's something like forty minutes of Game Awards and for, within the four-hour runtime of the of the whole show. Oh, so, that
0: seems like an overestimate, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that can tell
1: you how much uh, of uh, actual substance there is aside from game trailers and game ads, uh, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, that's, that's awesome. what it is.
0: There were some fun performances in there too. Like They, uh, they had a big uh, Alan Wake musical performance that I dare say the awards show didn't, uh, sorry, the Game Awards didn't deserve. But uh, Sam Lake was up there dancing on stage and having a lot of fun. So uh, good for him.
1: That's nice. Yeah. The, the industry, ironically, for how kind of bombastic it is, doesn't have a lot of pageantry like that, at least not since the early, you know, 2000s um, when, you know, the, the big game launches uh, and E3s were going on. Mm, I mean, those yes. days are long behind us, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And if we need the, the pretense of awards to, to get that stuff to happen, so be it, I guess. There's, there was some fun stuff. But uh, I'd rather it be in, in a more meaningful package, all things considered.
1: Right. Oh, well, what's news to you? I'll mention a few Kickstarters and related things that are going on in the tabletop role-playing game industry. Uh, on Humble Bundle, they just announced the Pathfinder 2 Legacy Bundle, they're calling it. Uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I should say, on Humble Bundle. It's going on until December 27th. You know, Pathfinder is interesting. It's not exactly my cup of tea. It's it's even crunchier, they say, or some say, than uh, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and, and D&D is already a little too um, too much of a clunky uh, system for, for my taste, but I'm sure that is going to be very exciting for some. Uh, Aside from that, they're reprinting Shadowrun 1st Edition. (laughs) That's the 1988 manual that I can picture very clearly in my mind's eye. Uh, I I joined in the 2nd Edition, but they pretty much had the same art. So, very excited about that. Apparently, the rules are even more hot garbage than some of the later (laughs) editions. So, I probably won't be getting that physical book myself. But kudos to Catalyst Game Labs to...
0: Also, they're reprinting the the original in 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 that with the original rule set.
1: Yeah, yeah, precisely. They're oh, they're okay. reprinting the OG thing, and uh, the buzz right now on uh, BackerKit anyway seems to be for Matt Colville's MCDM RPG, which I know knew very little about uh, except I've been hearing some buzz here and there. Apparently, it's uh, traditional fantasy D twenty, but. Uh, this is quote from the, the um, campaign description, but it's not hewing to the sacred cows from the 1970s, and it's not dungeon crawling or exploration focused. Apparently, its core activity is fighting monsters, and it's geared towards more tactical combat. So that makes it interesting. Maybe it's a little bit more towards the tabletop war game or even board game side of things so i think that sounded interesting enough to make it stand out against some of the traditional fantasy rpg fair um certainly uh, making a buzz apparently matt colville is a bit of a name he's been responsible for something like three million dollars worth of, of crowdfunding so far and apparently mcdm rpg is already earned up to a million on top of that so so, big buzz there. That campaign is on backerkit.com and it ends on January 5th.
0: Excellent. I was not aware of that, but I, I will take a look.
1: Yeah, could be cool. All right. Any new more news from yourself, Daniel?
0: No, I, th- I think that's it. I've, I mean, I'll, I'll have some news from, from the PAX show floor, but I haven't had much time to check out much more than that. Other, than the, I heard there was a, a Grand Theft Auto leak at some point while I was away. haven't had time to watch that one yet. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I haven't even watched the video. Yeah, but I've, I've heard the nonsense. They they leaked it like eight hours early or something like that. Okay. Well, uh, what have
0: you been playing in the last couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, I've actually been playing a surprising amount of video games in the last couple of weeks. I mentioned that I took out Jedi Survivor. I, I have had to return that at this point but i i played a decent amount of it and i finally came to the point where there's um it's the first real open world section of the game and it was surprisingly way more open world than i Hmm. was prepared for i forget the name of the planet but it's the planet you go to after the sort of intro area where the it's essentially the tutorial area and then you you know. You crash land on a planet, as you might in, in in many Star Wars stories. And you have to find your way. You have to find some old familiar faces. You meet some new faces. And the design is quite interesting. It made me think of the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, not because it was similar to that, but because that was the most recent kind of open-worldy adventure game I uh-huh. played. And it's actually quite different. This one feels a lot more old school in the the way that it's essentially its temples are designed. They're kind mm. of reminiscent of those uh, mini tombs from the newer Tomb Raider games. Have you played many of right.
0: those? Yeah. I the, the first couple I I have those I played. Sort of like mini mini dungeon puzzle rooms. Right.
1: And they're there within this open world there are these like little temples i guess you could say where these secrets are hidden away and these powers are available and you get to hear these kind of audio logs or find these little historical notes here and there uh found among the rubble and there's even this nice nod to the the old not the old republic but the high republic I think that's what it's called—the uh, novel. Yeah, I, I'm up to
0: date on my Star Wars history.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was really surprising to see because this one's you know set in the in, in between years between the uh, original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. So it was really cool to see nods to that there, and basically like it's it's big. Like I spent probably a dozen hours on the game, and I didn't. I think I'm only like halfway through the first open world. section. And according to the records that I've unlocked, I'm about only 25% of the way through the game. It's estimating, of course, but it seems like it has actually quite a lot to offer. So I am eager to try some more of that uh, when it becomes available again.
0: Yeah, I I may have put that on hold myself. So there's a good chance we'll be be competing for the head of the library.
1: (laughs) There you go. It's heading right to you. Right on. How about uh, any games that you play, Daniel? Uh,
0: not very much in the video games piece, other than a little bit on the plane ride to and from Philadelphia. I've been picking away a little bit at uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles on the Switch. Uh, I think I'm nearing the end of that finally, but I that wouldn't be the first time I've I've thought I've been nearing the end. Starting to to tire of it a little bit. It's getting getting a little repetitive and doesn't quite have the feedback I want in terms of like the buffs and debuffs and the different party member uh, relationships there. A lot of information to track that isn't necessarily easy to to keep an eye on. But it's still it's a good sort of second screen game should we put it that way if you've got a podcast uh, or a, a youtube video on the other screen uh and it's, it, it still does a wonderful sense of scale and just the the the, the size of the world just being so humongous it, it, it does a good job of that but uh hoping hopefully i'm nearing the end uh of xenoblade chronicles <laughs>
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned second screen type games. And the next game I'm going to mention is very much that. Uh, I'm not sure if you ever played the Etrian Odyssey games back on uh, DS or 3DS.
0: No, I've, I've heard of the name. That's about it.
1: Yeah, they're, they've put out, uh, I don't know, three or four of them. I think there's been some spinoffs and side series as well. But it's quite a popular series on those uh, old two screen systems. And they made HD Remake on PC re- uh, recently and, and consoles too I would imagine uh, so I got it on Steam during the Black Friday sale and I kind of couldn't resist it because <laughs> they were selling the three titles so the trilogy for the price of one of the games
0: oh is price. this the so, one where it's about making maps of a sort of fantasy dungeon
1: yeah that's right so okay. it, it's very much in that old style of the first person's perspective but yeah. every it's turn based so every step that you take moves you one square on the grid and the 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 cutesy gimmick of it is that with the ds you would literally take uh, your your pointer and you would map out on the touch screen the details of the map so sometimes there would be hidden passages or magical doorways you wouldn't be unable to lock right uh, unlock right away or hidden springs that would replenish your health or something like that. So you'd literally mark those on a map and draw it out for you. And you can do it here. Uh, You don't have the second screen, but um, they do it surprisingly well. And there's even some auto-mapping functionality. So it's not so annoying if that's not of interest to you. But this game is very kind of like hypnotic (laughs) because it's not story heavy. It's very, very kind of Mechanical in a way, like you, you, you can create a whole party of five party members, but really they're they're not really characters. They're more like devices <laughs> at your disposal. They're more I, like equipment.
0: So, oh, okay.
1: They're very, very much archetypes and you choose from uh, six or seven character classes and you get to unlock them with their own uh, upgrade trees and equip them with their own weapons. But it doesn't really what you name them. They never talk. You never talk to them. They never really talk to any of the NPCs you're engaging in. There's just they're just kind of all silent <laughs> protagonists, so to speak. But still, the the gameplay is is super compelling and addicting basically you have like a, a a 24-hour clock and the time passes as you take uh, your time in in the dungeon and basically it's just rinse and repeat you go in you slay some beasts you collect some items you bring them back you you rest you heal <laughs> you gear up and you go back out again and days and days of in-game time pass like this, and you complete quests along the way. You know, it could not be more repetitive, but something about it is really compelling. Uh, The art style is cool. The creature design is cool. I guess I never really experienced that old school uh, RPG style of, you know, I guess like Wizardry, I think, is the the really popular series was in Japan.
0: Dungeon Dungeon Keeper or, or some, Dungeon Something. I played a, a bit of back in the day. Not the, not the one. It was it wasn't the one where you make a dungeon. It was just one of the you exploring a dungeon with that sort of first person block based exploration. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the only real example of that I played back in the day was probably. Uh, Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy, no, not Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star <laughs> oh, and fine. Fantasy Star 2 on Sega Master System and Genesis. I think the second one was on Genesis, if I'm not mistaken. I played those, but only part of it was per- first person. The literal dungeons were first person, but the overworld was top down. So oh, it was a bit of a hybrid. But, anyways, Etrian Odyssey is, is purely delightful. And um, I haven't played the later ones in the series, but number one is I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of meditative, and you can totally just play it while doing other stuff. I was listening to audiobooks (laughs) while I was playing it. And it's just delightful. So Uh, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Are the the dungeons crafted or procedurally generated?
1: They are crafted. They are designed. So, you know, you you can use a guide if you want to just make your way. And there are little secrets to be found. And some of the quests you can only finish if you really, like, look in every nook and cranny. But there's some cool things, like, most of the combat is random but there are also these bigger kind of mini bosses that that crawl across the dungeon when you move it's turn-based so when you move they move uh so you can be kind (laughs) of sneaky about either heading for them or avoiding them so it's actually really that's part of the fun i'm i'm enjoying that
0: excellent yeah i do like playing with cartography as a as a feature in, in games so I've, I've been curious about that one but I wasn't sure if I'm up for the upkeep of the the old school RPG elements
1: <laughs> yeah I have the auto mapping turned on just fine and what it will do is it'll map out the basics of the terrain but the fine details like things you discover the hard walls of the of the dungeon essentially you can map yourself. But um, you don't really lose anything if you don't do it. Like, it's just explore to your, to your heart's content.
0: Excellent. Yeah,
1: so I recommend it.
0: Okay. Would it, any, anything else on your playlist? Yeah, just
1: one more game that I recently just started playing because, once again, it arrived uh, after a considerable wait uh, at the library system. Uh, thank you, Vancouver Public Library. It's a newer title called from From Software called Armored Core 6. Oh,
0: uh, yes.
1: Which is a rel- relatively hot title when it came out, uh, mostly because of, you know, the recent popularity of FromSoft games, Elden Ring, and, of course, Demon's Souls. No, not Demon's Souls. I always forget the other one.
0: The Dark Souls. Uh, or, Dark Souls, yeah. Dark
1: Souls. Demon's Souls was the original. Dark Souls, the Dark Souls series. But Armored Core is actually older than those games, I think, the armored core has been going on forever obviously this yeah before six.
0: before the more recent sort of revival of, of interest in from software games like King, yeah. King, king's field and armored core are uh, pretty pretty old school
1: right and i knew armored core wasn't going to be a souls-like uh, i knew that going in so i wasn't too disappointed when i saw that the gameplay systems are quite different but nonetheless armored core 6 is quite polished for what it is i wouldn't say that it's so so immersive you know the the maps are kind of more like like tabletop war game maps they're kind of like playing i don't know like 40k or something like that they're obviously just like plastic buildings that you can knock over with your missiles or whatever but there's still something fun about controlling a mech and you really feel like you're piloting it because the the console controls are very well tuned to what you can what buttons you have available to you Um, Basically, you have like arm-mounted weapons, shoulder-mounted weapons, uh, you have boosters, all the things you might imagine a mech would have. You can individually upgrade every part. And unlike a Souls game or um, Elden Ring, uh, this is not open world. Like, it's literally mission-based. And uh, at any given time, you basically have a choice of one or two missions. But it's not really even a choice because you kind of have to complete the missions before you move on. To new missions, anyway, so you can repeat the missions. It's, you know, very much a lot like some of the mech games that have come before it. Uh, like some of the Gundam games I played recently has the same format do the missions, earn money, buy more gear, upgrade your mech, rinse and repeat. But it's still quite satisfying, not very difficult gameplay wise. But some levels really ramp it up with um, certain boss fights and the scenarios are varied enough. But I would say that it's it's fun, enjoyable, but it it's not setting my heart on fire. <laughs> that said, I've only played it for, I don't know, maybe like three or four hours so far. So maybe it'll turn the corner soon.
0: It, it does look to have much more kinetic movement compared to the their the recent games that tend to Feel very clunky in in how your character moves. This is much more fast paced, and 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 in kinetic. Is, is, is that coming? Like, does it, are the do, the do the robots move good? Put that way, <laughs> they
1: do move good, and it's very fast paced and arcadey almost. I wouldn't say as intense as say you ever play that Metal Gear Revengeance.
0: No, oh a demo I played of that. Oh, not yeah. Revengeance. The no. one with um, no, I
1: haven't played that one. Oh, I forget the side character's name. Right, Ra- Ra- Raiden. Yeah, Ra- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the second, the second Raiden game, the the non sneaky game. <laughs> but I would say that the the frenetic action of *Metal Gear* Revengeance is like say at a, an eleven or a thirteen, uh, compared to like a zero or a one for a *Metal Gear* <laughs> solid um, OG, say. And I would say that the intensity of Armored Core Six is more like a like a eight. So like quite a quite a bit higher. Pretty intense, but not nearly as frenetic as as
0: Revengeance. Excellent. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to check this out. I don't know that I'm really that interested in managing like different mech parts and looking at stats between all the different guns and chassis and and, and what this a lot of fiddly Maintenance that I'm not particularly interested in, so um, maybe it's, it's a good bunch of rent and see if it drives with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely solid rental. Like I mean, there's just as much like part management, quote unquote, in Armored Core Six as the as there is in Etrian Odyssey, and there's only <laughs> one character, quote unquote, for Armored Core Six, right? So it's it's about the same feels. You just swap out for the one that's got the the up facing arrow rather than the down facing
0: arrow. Yeah, these days with with time being at a premium, I'm I'm very sensitive to games that don't respect my time in in making you look at menus a bunch. So trying to be a little more selective right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I would say it's it's not that bad. It's <laughs> like pretty much like like a Mass Effect kind of level of choosing your gear.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'll I'll keep that on the back burner. Very
1: Anything cool. Any other games?
0: No, no, no.
1: Yeah, I'll just say that I'm preparing for a mini campaign, I guess, of uh, The Strange, which is an RPG, a modern RPG that has uh, sort of paranormal aspects, qualities to it. Kind of like an X-Files meets Sliders.
0: Yeah, uh, or let me like this The Fringe, briefly before.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm starting up this Thursday. Just been helping out some friends with character generation and um this is my will be re- my first time running a game in the cypher system so this is the same system that's the core of numenera Uh, So I'm really excited about this. Um, I have a lot of books already, some that you you helped order for me, (laughs) uh, for instance, that I picked up from you recently. But uh, I'm just really enamored of the Cypher system. I think it's just really elegant and logical. So I'm excited already for this. Um, The players I've introduced so far seems excited. So I'm looking forward to Thursday now. I'll have more to report soon.
0: Excellent. And and I, I'm guessing we're, we're, we're still hoping to continue with our Fallout campaign at some point once we can regather the troops there. Maybe maybe following the holidays, we can try and reboot that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We should. I, I just managed to pick up a, a, a Fallout style, like a body hit location die uh, at our local um, Strategies board game store. So, I'm hoping to try that out.
0: Excellent. Roll, roll those bodies.
1: There you go. Okay. What do you think? Should we talk about our main topic?
0: Yeah. So, (coughs) let's take a quick water break and uh, I'll be back to talk about my experience with PAX. Okay. Welcome back. And so... I, I let Mark have the floor for uh, quite a ways at the, the earlier parts of this episode, uh, pro- largely because I'm going to be taking the lead in this latter half uh, in regaling my tales of Pax Unplugged in Philadelphia. So I when I was over there last week. This is my first big tabletop convention, uh, shucks would have been the biggest prior to that. Uh, This was a fair bit bigger. (laughs) Obviously going into a big convention like this there is a lot to check out. I was quite interested in the number of different branches you could focus on here. You could easily go to a convention of this size and just play Magic the Gathering and not really ignore the fact that board games are even a thing basically. Or tabletop role-playing games, obviously. There's a, a huge presence there with uh, Critical Role. Had several talks and p- panels and, and various workshops going on. So there's, there's a, a lot of different things to focus on. It's, this is not just a board game convention. So it was, it was a, a lot of fun to just get the lay of the land and get some perspective on how these things generally go. So not exactly sure how we want to run through this uh i don't want this just to be a a play-by-play
1: it's pax unplugged right which is was in philadelphia did you say
0: yes yeah so this is the the analog equivalent of of pax which is generally a video game convention but i've led to believe that board games have been creeping in to to various degrees especially with all the digital implementations of, of board games that are around now uh the, so that we have there's Pax West in Seattle that I've immediately yep, to get down to that's the original to. right yeah have you have you ever been to that mark i haven't
1: i actually haven't no i haven't been to any of the paxes but obviously they've been a huge force in the gaming industry kind of like a kind of like the inheritor of the E3 legacy but in a different way, because it's not industry based, it's for the fans.
0: Yeah. Well, even E3 isn't, isn't industry based anymore. It, it tried to pivot, I think, I guess in, in part due to the popularity of PAX and wanting to take a little bit of that, uh, of that yeah. audience. So, well, I- I,
1: yeah, the industry changed and, <laughs> and E3 died, uh, or fell to the wayside as the result.
0: Yeah, so many of- the, there's a lot of conventions now that it's been kind of split quite a bit between uh, the, the the various shows. So, I don't think PAX West is the main one. I think as, as PAX Prime is somewhere else on the East Coast. Okay. But there's PAX West. There's uh, PAX Australia, which I did have the first- I had a ticket to the very first one, which was probably close to 10 years ago now, uh, but hadn't been able to get the time off work and, and had to, to skip that, unfortunately. So, that's one I'd like to do again sometime as well. Uh, there's quite a few of these around, but PAX Unplugged is the, the main sort of analog convention for, for board games and tabletop RPGs. And when I, earlier this year, I asked around uh, what, what, if I'm going to do one convention which one should I do and by a, a, a large consensus this was the the most recommended I, I partly I believe just due to the sense of community this is not a a big acquisition based convention like Gen Con or Origins or, or Essen where there's a bunch of new releases and people rushing to to grab the, the new hotness this is much more about community events so there's a lot of workshops panels uh t- tournaments that sort of thing there there are there is a uh, a lot of publishers with booths selling games, but that's, that's far from the, the focus here. And I mean, we, we're a big fan of, of Shucks, obviously that, that is similarly community minded, but this is on a whole other scale. I think that the, the free play area with just the tables to play games, that was basically the, the size of the the entirety of Shucks. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty big. Yeah. Going into this, I didn't really have a lot of anticipation of playing games. Uh, this For me, this was largely about meeting people, a lot of, a lot of friends in the industry, other creators, uh, people working for various publishers, designers... And I mean, you, you can play board games anytime. So this is more about just finding ways of just, just hanging out with friends. It, it was it was great to see even those people working booths felt were a lot more relaxed about this convention compared to something like GenCom, which is all business. Uh, even when they're running the booth, they have more time to actually chat here and, and have a bit of fun themselves and, and meet some of their friends. So everyone was a little bit more relaxed. Plenty of... Uh, get gatherings and 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 meetings going on after hours. And being right in the middle of Philadelphia is actually quite a lot to do, uh, as opposed to something like, gen Con and, and Indianapolis there which I'm going to believe is something somewhat in the middle of nowhere but this is right next to reading terminal market which was a, a some amazing food I've not eaten that well in many years and uh doing having to do something of a detox now shall we say so yeah it was it was it was a great experience all in all that I I hope to get back to did I did manage to play some games and and, and demo a few others that are, that I can discuss but largely yeah i was just it was just great to to meet some of my friends and and contacts in the industry and and get to know everyone and just yeah build build, build some uh more relationships for the for the future so that that was great fun
1: um, going into it uh, did you have any games in mind that you wanted to see
0: no i I specifically tried not to set any expectations and i mean Largely going into a convention, like if, if if I was just to pick the games I want to play, that would largely be a lot of heavier sort of mid-weight Euro games is my, my d- sort of general focus lately. But no one has a sort of time for that at uh, one of these. I, I, I was a little bit overwhelmed with FOMO in, in not wanting to commit to any one thing. So, most of the games I, I was anticipating was a lot of lighter ones. One game I did want to play and, and didn't get around to was uh, Challengers, the, uh, the, which I believe did win or was nominated for uh, the, the Spiel des Jahres earlier this year, designed around a sort of tournaments 2v2 format, but you can play it up to eight players. And I was really hoping to try and get that to the table. But it uh, wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. But I did play largely a lot of smaller games. And that's what conventions are, are great uh, tend to be great for, is these smaller party games or card games that I don't generally reach for, but will scale well with a lot of players and, and can play at a, at a relatively short time. Uh, short game length that you can just play as many times as you want uh things like just one i remember playing having a lot of fun up with it shucks that you can just keep it's, it's, there's no end to it you can just play as many rounds as you want and so that's those are the sort of games that i, I tend to to reach for at, at conventions these days
1: yeah you're right the the small filler games tend to be what gets played a lot or what I tend to play a lot at uh, conventions in my limited experience. Although there are others that take a totally different tack. Uh, like you said, some of them are just going to be playing Magic the whole entire three days, or um, some players only play Blood on the Clock Tower, because maybe that's the only time they get a chance to have uh, that many people who are into the same thing, two rooms in a boom, like that, those... Are always popular at conventions but uh yeah good old like two hour video game or two hour board game plus some 30 minute fillers are probably what gets played most (laughs) yeah
0: i did have a couple of friends uh, amazed at a a group of people trying to start a game of uh twilight imperium at about 9 pm i think uh and was Quite uh, taken aback by their ambition <laughs> of how quickly they how how long they thought that game would go for,
1: right? With some monster energy drinks, until I bet. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, so, I can talk a little bit about some of the games I did see. Uh, okay, again, I my focus wasn't on sitting down to play whole games. I was mostly walking the the booths and just uh, getting again getting the lay of the land and checking out some demos which was largely just playing a couple of rounds rather than a complete game. One of my first stops, I will say, was the FlatOut booth. So they were actually one of the, f- the first people I ran into uh, walking around reading a Market was was the team at FlatOut, uh, Molly and, and Sean and uh, Cody and... Uh, who, who don't work for Flat Out, but were, were uh, helping out there. Uh, Cody from Jellyfish Games and uh, Joseph Chen, who designed Fantastic Factories. So, a lot, a lot of familiar faces from the Pacific Northwest there. <laughs> right. The Seattle crew. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, of course, I went to Philadelphia only to, ch- to check out more of their games. But they, they were showing off Cascadia, Rolling Rivers and Rolling Hills, a new uh, roll right version of Cascadia that's, I don't recall if it's coming, if it's coming to Kickstarter, but they're, they're coming soon one way or another. Uh, and so that was, they, they, I didn't get, again, didn't get a full demo, but some clever ideas there in the there's these two standalone separate products that each have four different maps, I want to say each map being a slightly different puzzle and you're rolling these dice that have the, the five uh, animal types on there. Uh, and you you both shared dice and also a personal dice that you're rolling. So a little bit of balancing in, in which dice you choose, which, which you draft from a sort of shared pool and collecting animals to then spend on various cards. So uh, look, definitely looks to be on the on the heavier end of Roland rights. Then quite a few different sort of maps in the box to to try out. So very curious about that. They were also showing off their new TTRPG Whisperstone. So not a lot about this yet. I didn't have time to to, to sit in for the whole demo, but this is a they're marketing this as sort of a very entry level. Role-playing game that's a lot of physical pieces. Like you, you have these physical player boards, with uh, your resources sort of plugging in like jigsaw pieces onto this sort of central player board. Uh, so I, I don't know a lot about this one yet, but I'm I'm very curious to see their their sort of entry into the TT RPG space. And I was talking to them a bit about like how that even works, because these, those two streams are so different that the board games and TTRPGs, even even at somewhere like PAX, it doesn't seem like a lot of crossover, like a lot of booths doing one or the other. There's very few publishers that do both. So, but I obviously w- wish them luck and I'm, I'm very curious how that's going to to come along.
1: Yeah, I think there are a few more uh, publishers that seem to be doing both. I think uh, Direwolf, Direwolf Digital, is actually the triple threat because they do video games, board games, and they do tabletop role playing games. I oh, think they're they? the ones that. I think they're the ones that are publishing. Uh, was it the Dragon Prince? Oh, our tabletop role playing game. Which that wasn't, that wasn't the-
0: there, but uh, that's possible. Uh, oh no, Dragon Prince's is brotherwise, isn't? I think isn't it? Oh, oh, it is dire. You're right. You're right. Dire- Direwolf is listed here. Okay,
1: okay, that's cool. Sorry. Yeah. So there's Direwolf doing that, and of course, Fantasy Flight has always uh, been able to have a good balance of tabletop. Um, board game and role-playing games uh, to their side so just want to give them credit there and of course we have some you know designer friends like um, we mentioned Sam Fun Lim last week Banana Chan who do uh, design uh, board games and tabletop games so it seems like there's been a little bit more crossover happening
0: absolutely inklings of it yeah uh, I'm 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 very it's time to, to sneak in from from both directions, and I'm I'm very curious how that goes. I th- I think there is some reservations about how the success and how how these games are marketed, like having to market to a completely different audience, or do you do you try to c- convince board gamers to try a TTRPG? So yeah, they, 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 that could go. V- various ways, obviously. But we'll see how that plays out. In a similar vein, I dropped by the Free League booth. They largely produce role-playing game uh, books, and I was hoping to pick one up there that they're unfortunately sold out of. But they do have a couple of board games, uh, like the Tales from the Loop board game. Right
1: like they they also published the tales from a loop uh, TTRPG of course so it makes sense that they have the board game side as well
0: yeah and so i was talking to them for a little bit to see what's new they've got the new walking dead role playing system that launched recently but coming up they mentioned they've got a in the, in the board game space they've got a tactics game based on mutant year 0 which was a a role-playing game and, and a video game a few years ago, and now will also be a, a board game. So that that was I, I've not I'm again not fam- super familiar with the the role-playing system, but the video game was a lot of fun. It's some uh, f- fun setting and, and characters there. So a t- a tactics games in that Universe could be fun.
1: Yeah, that has uh, makes a lot of sense. I think the Mutant Year Zero video game is itself a tactics game, kind of like a XCOM. Yes, if I'm yeah, not basically. Mm.
0: So yeah, yeah pr- pr- pretty good uh potential for for some tactical fun there
1: yeah, I need to check out the Mutant Year Zero engine. I'm I'm interested in that, and also the aforementioned Cortex Prime that the Dragon Prince is based on. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to not learn too many systems because I feel like <laughs> I have a couple of favorites. But I, I find it fascinating as a as a remediated um, a board game designer. It's cool to see so many interesting game design techniques at play in role-playing game design, and I think it's just as fertile, if not, you know, more interesting than board game design, uh, at least of the ones I've looked at lately.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, stay tuned for that. I didn't catch whether that was uh, coming straight to retail or Kickstarter, but sometime next year, I believe. Uh, So, speaking of video game adaptations, I saw quite a few of those as well on, I can't remember the name of the publisher, but there was an adaptation of Shovel Knight, the sort of very retro side-scroller video game. That one, I'm not sure if if it was just my sort of addled brain on day three of the con, or if the demo just was, wasn't entirely selling it. I, I didn't get a great sense of what the goal was here. It was a uh, another move around a, a grid, attack enemies, pick up treasure. Uh, d- didn't do a great job of sort of showing what was unique about it, other than the, the sense of character. There were some cool minis, if, you, if you're a fan of, of that game series. Uh, I was surprised. What, what I hadn't heard uh, heard announced was that there's an upcoming board game based on Floppy Nights, a game that we covered a year or so ago on the podcast here. So I, I remember saying on that episode that it was a pretty perfect uh, game to be adapted to a board game in that it was a deck building tactics game with very deterministic combat. And that seems to be exactly what's happening. They're, they're turning it into a board game. I don't, again, I, I should have written down the publisher, but this is very early. It was um, very very early prototype, alpha, basically production, but they were discussing some some ideas. It's not going to be a one to one adaptation. They are going to change a few things up. Partly they're, they're c- considering ways of representing the campaign system uh, because I, have, I seem to recall that that being you'd unlock a new faction and then over the course of several sessions would un- gradually unlock new cards. So I think they want a slightly more sort of jump in set up for to, to to build your deck there but that that could be a lot of fun and finally i saw mr talk's arena of badassery we've been talking about some uh, borderlands games lately and so I've, i was very excited to see how that how that plays it came out a year or so ago i want to say and i again i only played it a, a like a, a, a round or so but it actually looked quite promising there i mean it's it's a a, you know grid of tiles you're you're rolling dice to attack bad guys but there was some some interesting decision making in that if you want to shoot so-and-so bandit you actually choose which dice to roll like there there are d4s d6s d8s d12s etc and you can decide which of those to roll and a d8 might be more likely to hit but less likely to crits, and a D12 might be the opposite. So there's some, you can how how badly you want to hit a particular enemy might be, it might be a decision you want to make there. And obviously a lot of character with with the the Borderlands setting, they were saying how with some upcoming expansions, they're going to have every vault hunter from the video games represented in this board game. Uh, So there's more, a lot more coming out for that. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite interested to check that out. It's a campaign system, which is obviously a hard sell uh, campaign with, with sort of branching paths. But I think about 10, 10 missions, which isn't which isn't the, the, the longest campaign, I guess, <laughs> might be able to, to, to figure that out.
1: You know, I love the Borderlands series a lot, but I haven't tried any of the- tabletop oriented games uh there's even a tabletop rpg uh, from that and a small card game and this isn't the first borderlands board game i don't think um uh, either so there was
0: a couple of small box card games like there was a claptrap building robots game i think and maybe a tiny tina tea party or something yeah that's what i'm thinking of. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's so hard. I don't know. I, I don't entirely trust these license conversions it, myself. Yeah,
0: likewise. I was surprised yet. by what little I saw of this. But again, it was a very brief demo.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I hope springs eternal. Hopefully some of them must be good. So, maybe <laughs> this one will be that.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, that was, again, I didn't write down the name of that. But uh, yeah, that, 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 that one is available now. Very cool. Again, I did meet with a couple of publishers. Uh, uh, so I spoke with Cosmos, who had a few games to show off. Uh, probably the the biggest one to note is they've uh, they're launching a new series of games called Masters of Crime. So this is kind of the next evolution in their escape room games. Is it Eg- Exit? Is that them?
1: Exit is an incredibly popular uh, escape room type series. Yeah. yeah, I
0: think I think it's Exit that they do. Uh, so there's Exit and now they're doing Masters of Crime, which is like an escape room mixed with ARG elements in that there's, there's a story you're working through, but you might need to look up Google Maps or some Wikipedia and looking up actual real world information to incorporate that as you work through the story. Uh, the first one coming out is called Vendetta. So it looks very uh, Godfather-y type of setting. Uh, there is a story to work through there. It's, it's going to be replayable. So you can, uh, I, you, you wouldn't want to play through it multiple times, but if you're not destroying the box, like in some of the exit games, you can gift it forward, uh, for example. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in to see how uh, ARG systems uh, mess with, Blend r- blend reality and, and, and the game space. So that, uh, that's coming out sometime next year, I believe.
1: Oh, that sounds really promising. Most of the AR games I've heard of just do simple things like scan the cards or whatever, not, not really looking out at real word, world information.
0: Yeah, this, this is actually, you have to actually go to the internet. uh Not, not like an in-game browser here. So yeah, stay tuned for Masters of Crime Vendetta. So what else have I got in my little list of fun stuff here? I did actually play a few entire games. One of which was Jok, Jokmok, I want to say, Swedish Winter Markets. So this is from WizKids it is a pretty simple card drafting game and I've Partly set down because it's, it seems relatively simple and short, but it's also a very, very sort of striking uh, art style. It looks very much like um, Small World. Not Small World, it, it, it's a Small World from Disneyland. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with Small World, the board game. <laughs> so this is basically a, a, a sort of rondelle of cards laid out that you're drafting, similar to the, sort of, the selection system of patchwork where you can sort of jump forward as far as you want, but then the the player who's behind it goes next, so they can basically chain multiple actions if they if they take every card, for example. Uh, which is which is a clever little uh, card uh, sort of dr- drafting system that adds lots of little micro moments. But around the board, the, the, these cards are basically comprised of of six or so different. Card types that each have their own mini game. Like one's a little pattern building game. One's a set collection. One's hot dogs, where you get points for the hot dogs, but if you have the most hot dogs, then you get negative points because you all know what happens when you when you eat one too many of those. It, they were all v- very they were all very simple mechanics. Uh, nothing particularly exciting individually, but um, I was told that there's quite a few others in the game, so you, you sort of pick and choose which cards to add sort of Dominion style at the start. So quite a bit of replayability there. And just, again, very simple drafting mechanic that isn't particularly exciting, but does is, is very snappy, is always moving and just plays nice and quick and pretty accessible with some very cute art. And I, I, I won't deny a big part of why I ended up buying that was that they were also giving out uh, tins of cocoa <laughs> with the game, which uh, is, is uh, very much my jam. Very nice. Any other fun
1: games you played?
0: Let's see. Uh, I played I, I played Robot Quest Arena from Wise Wizard Games. So I got a demo of that from my friend Matt Falusi, uh, who kind of ran me through a whole game. And so this is a an arena battler. Using a deck of cards to move a, a robot around. It's, it's a very sm- relatively small grid, four player sort of free for all rock on sock robots. Very, very qu- quite large, chunky, pre painted miniatures. So these little very cute robot sculpts that um, very, feel very toyetic and big, really quite cl- chunky to sort of clonk down. I can see them being quite appealing to kids. Uh, and you're using a deck of cards to manipulate your little robot around the arena and stand on various obstacles and, and attack the other robots. It, it did feel a little bit tight in that you never had a lot of choice as to who you're going to attack. Like either there's only one person left standing in any given round or you can only reach one other person. So it, it, it could feel a bit mean. I, 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 for example, had several cards that were... Uh, I, I get an extra point if I knock someone out, which I mean, good for me, not so fun for the person who, who, who keeps getting knocked out over and over again. Uh, what I did like was that the like the currency cards in this are, are pretty multi-purpose. So there's these energy cards that you can either use to move or to buy new cards to add to your deck, or you could spend like some, some abilities will let you spend that energy for other purposes. So quite uh, flexible. In that regard, you never entirely felt locked out from from an action, uh, so you have quite a bit of agency and, and, and decision making in, in how in how you manipulate that. And every robot is played slightly differently. You can, you can build them differently with the, with the deck building, obviously. So that that was quite fun. I uh, said really nice components, and so that was uh, Robot Quest Arena from w- Wise Wizard Games. Okay, so other than that, I, I was mostly playing again a lot of smaller games like uh, Scout, uh, Sequoia. I think Oink Games and All Play Games both got a lot of play this weekend, uh, the, the small box games that you can sort of carry around in, in your back pocket and then whip out whenever, whenever it's convenient and if you got a, a spare half hour. And that they both had booths at, at the show, which which helped a lot. One I, I did actually try and, and, and picked up to, to bring home was Nine Lives from All Play, another trick-taking game, uh, which I'm very much in the mood for lately. Trick-taking game that Plays th- three to four players, so I, I was kind of missing a, a, a good trick take here for three players. This one's cat themed to boots. All
1: right, uh, you mentioned that you saw some familiar faces or new faces. Uh, how about the people you spent your time with?
0: Yeah, well, as I said earlier, that was my my big, biggest focus going into Packs Unplugged. You, you couldn't. Go anywhere without uh, bumping into to friendly faces. Several times, I wanted to to make my way over to the the CGE uh, sort of demo room, but I, I never got over there because every time I tried to leave, that I kept running into someone else. <laughs> so uh, we saw who do they see? Uh, Jamie Daggers, uh, previous guest on the pod here. I it was uh, a pleasure to talk to her several times. I was hoping to take one of her. Uh, mini painting workshops. Uh, she was doing a sort of a, a paint and take. Uh, they had several of those over the weekend, but to, to book that in, you had to be up at eight o'clock and they basically were gone by 8.01. So I missed out on that, unfortunately, but uh, it was a pleasure to see Jamie and uh, had some a couple of good meals with her and 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 other friends like uh, arwen from cardboard time and uh, another uh, great podcast i uh, i listen to regularly we had a a, a cheese party and and uh, one of the adjacent hotels on saturday that was a lot of fun so uh a lot, lot of cheese i i introduced the, the Americans to the Canadian uh, delicacy of Cheesies. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're a fan, Mark. Uh, they are pretty good. They're like the more crunchy
1: versions of of like Cheetos.
0: Right? Yeah, these are super hard, crunchy, concentrated cheesy bites. So yeah, that that was my contribution. Also some nice chocolate as well. I took along a bunch of uh, Canadian snacks to the convention to to, to hand out. Uh, So who else did I meet there? Uh, I met So I, at at that party and also a couple of other times, I ran into Greg Loring Albright, who designed Ahoy and Block by Block. So he's been, I've I've played some BGA games with him uh, lately. So that was uh, fun to to finally meet him, along with uh, Joshua Burgle, who who designed uh, Fox in the Forest. So we ha- we had a little coffee meetup uh, as well to, to to talk shop. So yeah, a lot of, lot of designers, content creators, a lot of lot of different people, uh, and, and many people wearing many hats. There, people I saw uh, Ilya and, and Taylor again from Covray, also previous guests of the show. So I, I, I'm never going to mention. any. I'm always going to forget someone here. There were, there were so many. Uh, people to talk to. I saw uh, Ross, who's now working for North Tide Games, along with Dominic, uh, who designed uh, Oceans, one of my favorite games of recent years. That was good fun. Uh, Clarence Simpson, who designed The Wolves and Chomp uh, from from Allplay. He, he was a pleasure to meet. Benita, Benita, who he's a, a twitch streamer and recently started a podcast called the feeding phase which is all about the sort of interaction between food and board games so as you guess very very much interested in that and, and benita was was lovely to chat to yeah so so many amazing people it's, it's a wonderfully friendly hobby, obviously. Everyone was, was very welcoming and as lovely as you can expect. So, it was nice to, to put names to faces and, and confirm that everyone really is, uh, really is that lovely.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I know that they're not new faces, but you met with a few uh, local people for some delicious uh,
0: food, uh, I believe. Yes, yeah, we went out for a nice hot pot dinner with Steph and Eric from First Fish Games and also Pauline and Marie from Hot Banana. Fresh from their their win from is it, uh, up- uprising I think do you have the notes there, Mark, what the award was?
1: Yeah, I thought that they actually won a few awards, including up-and-coming game designers or game designers to watch or something like that. I didn't see the exact examples, but I know that they um, were feted uh, to a large degree. So uh, I think they certainly deserve it for all the hard work that they put in. It's great to see. Like, for me, I got to see that game, like, 360 from the Inception to the um, you know preview copies to the the final product and then the the awards so and uh, i think you and i are even in the rule book so i'm i'm not trying to claim <laughs> <laughs> any ownership a little bit of, bias of it there. <laughs> i i just feel a little privileged to have you know witnessed their journey and yeah long story short they deserve all the praise that i could give
0: yeah it's been enjoyable to see that game uh, f- following it, its production and, and see them win some some well deserved praise for it
1: that's right. It's a great story. So congrats to Hot Banana Game
0: and First Fish showing off uh, their uh, new Mistwind, right? There was some confusion between that and another game. M- Mist- Mistwind, yes. I want to make sure I say that correctly.
1: Very cool. Well, you got to see a lot. You got to eat a lot of tasty food. And I think you passed out some of our, our new attractive looking uh, business cards. So I'm very pleased to hear that. And I look forward to checking out some of the treats that you brought back uh, game-wise.
0: Yeah, again, I, w- I went in not trying to be too focused on acquisition. This was much more about community building. But I, I did f- pick up a few games, mostly smaller, independent games that I don't, don't have wide distribution in Canada uh, that are hard to find, uh, like like. Illamat, a, a trick-taking game designed around by the the, the band the Decemberists, uh, that I have that heard great things about, and I'm a, I'm a fan of their music, so I'm excited to check that out, and a few, and a few little other oddities that I, I came across. So I did bring back a few games that I'll be talking about in uh, episodes to come.
1: Great. Well, uh, I think we covered a lot. Speaking of episodes to come, we had a special kind of non-standard episode today. I think we're having another special kind of episode next one out. So, should we tell the listeners what we're gonna, what we have planned?
0: Yeah. Well, we have a bit of an occasion. If you're uh, looking at the the episode numbers, uh, next episode is our fiftieth, and. We're not entirely sure how to celebrate that just yet. We have a couple of ideas uh, in, in, our, uh, in our pocket and some potential guests to, to, to join us. Uh, so I don't think we're going to announce anything specific just yet. Stay tuned to our socials for, for more info. But if you have any questions or uh, comments on the last 49 episodes of the Omnigamers Club, please do send those in.
1: Right. Uh, we would really love to hear that. Really, uh, We really appreciate any sort of feedback that comes. And, and thank you again to those who have reached out to us already. And uh, I'm not sure exactly when the next episode will come out. We might give ourselves an extra week off to celebrate the holidays here. So you're either going to catch us at the tail end of December or pretty early on in January of 2024.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say ex- maybe expect this... Around the time of the new year, and then we can we can kick off in, into the new year with a fresh batch of actual games to talk about.
1: Great. Well, Daniel, uh, congrats to you on a successful trip. Doing some great networking there and uh, to us for a successful 2023 in the can.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry if, if I was a bit uh, flustered talking through with that. My head is just exploding with all of the things I, I saw at, at PAX. Like So many times during the convention, someone would stop me and ask, oh, what games have you played? And it's just crickets in my head. Like, I don't remember what I played five minutes ago. Uh, so it's, it's all a blur of, of just good, good times, good food, good people. Uh, I, th- I think that's a, a good summary of it there. And if you want to, to get in touch, our email is omnigamersclub at gmail.com. You can find me at Board Game Feast. I'm on Blue Sky threads and Instagram.
1: Yeah, and you can reach our website at Omnigamers.club. And where can we find you, Mark? Oh, I am not doing much. You can find me (laughs) uh, as OmnigamerMark on uh, Instagram, I think they call it. Socials are still
0: broken right now. So, uh, yeah, find us where
1: you can. (laughs) Too true. Or find us on Xbox uh, Live or maybe
0: on Steam. Or Board Game Arena. Or Discord. Or a nice little asynchronous game, maybe.
1: There you go. I'm looking forward to the holiday break. Perhaps you and I will meet once or twice and play some of those games or some new ones. So, yeah, we'll have more good games and good company
0: uh, very soon. Yes. And I hope all of you listening have a fantastic holiday. And, of course, eat some good food, play some good games.
1: That's right. Happy holidays. And uh, to all you out there, have a very balanced diet of gaming. Bye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.